give the Lord praise in the house. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to PCC. Hey, uh, turn around. Greet about three people. Show them a big smile. Show them your teeth or where they used to be. Yeah. Be great. I'm a 
Blues gonna be the soul down the river I'm the blues you can use You can be delivered Burn the turn The life of most labor Come on, get out with Jesus Life's in Into this house Chris is going to lead us out on this next one. Today's the day. Yeah. 
Well, the Lord is good. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. Now, turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus is. Jesus is. Oh, come on now. Help me out. Jesus is Jesus the best thing that has ever happened to me. Amen. Do you believe it? Give the Lord praise if you believe that.
you if you're lift your hands to the Lord. Close your eyes. Picture yourself just running into his throne. He's Abba Father. He's the one that loves you. He has grace for you. He has forgiveness for you. He has healing for you. He's everything you need.
how he saved me how he raised me how he filled me with the holy ghost how he healed me to the uttermost when i think about the lord yes lord hey picked me up and it turned me around and placed my feet on solid ground. It makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
Praise God. If that doesn't get you motivated, I don't know what will. Praise God. You can be seated here for a little bit. Um, thank you, worship team. Hallelujah. I couldn't think of a better way to introduce this topic for today than our worship uh, for today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, kids, you are dismissed. Miss Christina is going to be taking you down. The, she wanted you to be part of uh, worship with the uh, big people up here today. And so uh, we're so thankful they were part of it. Hallelujah. You know, I started thinking about watching uh, uh, Luke up here wandering around and Jonathan. And, and, you know, Scripture says that unless you become as, as a little child, you know, uh, they have such a freedom in worship. Uh, freedom in the midst of service. They're, they're not afraid to twirl. Um, and, and I'm not telling you you all have to twirl. But I'm just saying that uh, there is a freedom there, and sometimes uh, we come into the house of God a little congested. Uh, we, we come into God uh, a, a little impacted, as it might be. You know, it's like, you know, and I know those are not pleasant pictures, and, uh, and it's not meant to be, um, because sometimes our worship uh, experience does not reflect, or maybe it does, but uh, what, what worship is supposed to be is an outward expression of an inward work, okay? And so when we start realizing the significance of that, that one concept, that what we have on the outside is what God is partially doing on the inside, some of us have to ask ourselves, is God moving? You know, um, that song, uh, uh, right before that last one, you know, it talks about, you know, running to the altar. How many of you have ever run to an altar? You know, um, I, I've seen individuals in the midst of a worship experience, in the midst of a message, so under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that literally they take off running to the altar with this level of urgency that if they don't experience the transformational work of Jesus Christ in that moment, um, they're not sure they will live any longer. Now, what if I told you that every one of us in this place should have that same thought process? That same experience, that same passion. What, what Pastor Willie was sharing up here in the midst of his, his testifying about his daughter's experience, that could happen to any one of us in this day that we live. Uh, the other day, I was getting ready to, to go through the light over here at uh, um, Cornerstone right there in front of Costco. And it had turned green on my side, and I delayed just a hair, and a guy ran uh, the red light, and I literally, it was red, it was green on my side for like a second, and if I would have taken, if I would have been a, a, in a hurry and took, taken off as soon as that light turned, he would have destroyed me. But, but I paused just a moment. And, and God's protective hand is there. But, but our lives literally could be taken in that one moment. So we need to come into every service, every opportunity with this, this level of passion, with this level of understanding that today literally could be our very last moment on this earth. 
And we should want to get every ounce out of our experience with God that we can. Today I want to talk to you about the sacraments of the church. The sacraments of worship. Because each one of these sacraments really focus on um, our worship experience. Um, Romans 12.1, I love this passage. It says, therefore, I urge you. And I've added a couple other phrases in here. I implore you, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and the communication that you have chosen to give to us that can bring transformation in our lives. And I pray today that you would open our minds, open our hearts to this Word that it would be implanted in our souls and that we would bring about, Father, uh, that, that response that you are seeking from us. I ask for this in your name. Amen. My question for you this morning is, what is this in, inner, authentic, Godward experience of the heart that we call the essence of? Of worship, what is it that can cause someone to go face plant in the middle of an uh, altar and begin to call out, cry out to God for change? It's the Holy Spirit. I, I think it's motivated by that, but it it really that level of response has more to do with an individual and their desire than it does anything else. Do you, are you at a place where you are willing to go all in, you're willing to face plan it, you're willing to, you know, arms outstretched, you're willing to literally lay it all out that God may intervene in your moment. That God would literally intersect your life. And give you that, that moment of crossroads, that moment of opportunity to take you down a different path. See, we've been pushing into worship for this last three or four weeks already on just dealing with the essence of worship. And it flows out of the heart. I love this next passage, uh, Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9. It says, this people honors me with their lips, but their, hearts, their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. You know, Jesus is saying, listen, you may, you may speak, you may talk a good talk, but if your heart is not where it needs to be, if you're simply, it's all for the show, but there's really no go inside of you. There's really nothing that is motivating you to live differently. Then it's all in vain. Your worship is in vain. You know, 1 Corinthians uh, 13 talks about love. And, and it talks about, you know, um, you know, love being a sounding brass. 
you know, a clanging cymbal, you know. It, that's, what, that's what our expression to God becomes when it is not done in authenticity and it, when it's not originating from a heart that wants to truly encounter God. Do you want to encounter God or are you satisfied with where you're at? Now, I hope you're not satisfied. But I, but I, I believe that many of us, even though we say we're not satisfied, live as if we are. I want to go deeper into some of the sacraments of worship today. In preparation for next week, in preparation really for your future. I'm going to cover for them. And the first one you are probably the most familiar with. Communion. It is also called uh, uh, the Lord's Supper. Uh, Holy Communion, the Eucharist. Uh, depending on what tradition you've grown up in or come out of. Um, but, but communion is, is all about honoring the body and the blood of Christ. We are most familiar with this because we do it typically the first Sunday of every month. Um, the juice and the bread, symbolic of the blood and uh, the body of Christ. You know, his, his, uh, his body was broken for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26 is our normal passage that is utilized to illustrate, you know, communion for us. Scripture says, as, as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's, cup or, or the Lord's Supper until He comes again. And so we're, we're familiar enough with this. This is an instruction from the Lord Himself saying that we are to do this, that we are to partake of this. It is, communion is about celebrating the acts of Christ as personal to us. When we participate in communion, we are celebrating what Jesus Christ did for us. We're personalizing it. See, I, I want to encourage you, when we, when we participate in communion every month, there is this portion of time at the end of it where it says, and let everyone examine themselves. Now, I don't know every mistake you've ever made and let me just be honest, I have no desire to know them. Don't send them to me in a letter. But I do want you to be encouraged with this. That you are responsible for dealing with the mistakes of your life. And confession of those mistakes to uh, someone to hold you accountable is entirely appropriate. And if that is something that you want to utilize your pastor for, I will sit with you and we'll walk through those. But just understand that if we walk through them together, that there is also going to be this, um, what are you going to do about this now? And then I'm going to hold you accountable to the, the change that you're saying you want to bring. So I'm willing to be that for you as your pastor. We should have someone that we talk to about our, our shortcomings, our mistakes. 
so that they hold us accountable, that we don't go back to a, a lifestyle that is not honoring of God. Communion is very important, and we really spend a lot of time there. I'm not going to spend uh, more time there this morning because I think it is really something for the general part of the church we understand probably more so than most. This next one I'm going to spend a little bit more time on because um, it is something we're going to experience next week. Baptism. The Greek word baptizo, it means literally to plunge under, to dip, or immerse. Our, Our passage is Romans 6, 1 through 8. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new life. Since we have been united with him in his death, we also will be raised to life as he was. We know that our sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when Christ died with Christ, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Baptism uh, is like a, a wedding ring. It is uh, a symbolic of the washing away of our sins. It is also symbolic of of the new life that God is expecting us to go out and live. It has been said that baptism is to the Christian faith what the wedding ring is to marriage. One quote from uh, an individual named Herb Miller that I read this week said this, Like the wedding ring, baptism draws a mark on the ground between the past and the future. Like the wedding ring, it says, from this day forward, I stand with God. I love that presentation, that picture. That really, because see, baptism is a public ceremony. Wedding, a, married, a wedding ceremony is a public ceremony acknowledging to the world that you're off the market. (laughs) That you have been uh, united and joined with someone else. And that this individual is now your one and only. And and it it is very sacred in the eyes of God. Baptism is the public um, announcement, the public expression of our faith and our conversion experience saying that I have dedicated my life to Jesus Christ, I have died to my old way of living, and I am renewed, I am born again. couple things just to make us familiar here. One of the questions is, what does the Bible teach us about baptism? Water baptism is fondly known as a baptism of repentance. Acts 19.4, because it is a public show of a person's repentance from their sins. There are several different passages that we can highlight. We can even talk about certain individuals um, who were baptized and why we should do it. You know, number one, um, Jesus was baptized, right? Matthew 3, 13 through 17. 
um, Jesus felt it important that he was baptized. Uh, Jesus commanded that this type of baptism for all those who believe in Matthew's 20, or Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Peter commanded it at Peter, Pentecost in Acts 2, 38. So we have this, these several passages as well as I could list off many more that really identify the significance of water baptism in the life of a believer. And it should be something that we take very seriously. Baptism, I've got several statements here just to help us to to focus our attention on baptism. Baptism identifies us openly with Christ. It, It identifies us openly with Christ. It's the public identification with the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. When we are baptized, we are, we are telling the world that our faith, uh, that we have faith in the substitutionary death that Jesus died for us on the cross. That we acknowledge, that we recognize that Jesus Christ died for me. And we're identifying as one of Jesus' followers. Baptism shows the gospel message Uh, shows the gospel message that Jesus died for our sins and rose again for our our justification. When 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 we are thrust under the water, it is like this burial process that happens. I was, um, I was watching a baptism one time and, and this, this person was slightly resistant to the baptism and, and as they were going under, they didn't go, get all the way under. And this, uh, this person that was baptizing them, as they, this person forced themselves back up, the, the, the pastor took them and literally shoved them all the way under. <laughs> and, uh, and it caught them so off guard because they had just started to open their mouth and breathe again. You know, the pastor tells them, assume the position, you hold their nose, grab their arms, stuff like that, you know. Um, and, and this person was not fully ready, <laughs> for this second immersion. Um, because this pastor took it very seriously that you need to be fully immersed, not, not leaving any part of the body um, uncovered. But see, when you, die, when you are buried like that under the water, and when you come up, there, many of them, there is this reaction like, wow, I am, I am alive again. And, and rightfully so, because that is the symbolic nature of the resurrection, that when we come out of the water, it is a new life experience. All th- old things have been uh, passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Baptism shows that the believer will one day live with Christ. Baptism demonstrates the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice. Do you realize that one act um, from Jesus Christ some 2,000 years ago is just as powerful today as it was then? Have you known of anything that has that level of sustainability? Something that is able to keep you 2,000 plus years later, and it's still as powerful. It still moves people. It still brings a tear. It still motivates an individual to change their lifestyle, to give up an old way of living and become new. Jesus and the work of Christ, 
when we are baptized, it is celebrating this work. It's identifying that we are now part of the family of God. And that His work is still powerful. It is moving in me. It is arising in me to bring about a transformation, a change. The question has come many times um, to me, should a person ever be baptized a second or third time? And, And my answer is normally very simple. Number one, have you experienced a period of time where you walked away from a relationship with God? That's, that's the first and most important thing. Has there been an intentional decision where you walked away from that relationship, entered into a life of sin again? If you have, then I think personally uh, that going through when you've rededicated your life to the Lord and you're, you're wanting to make things fresh and renew, that public declaration is, can be a powerful piece in your life. Now, does God hold you accountable to it? I don't know. You're going to have to talk to him about that. God says the, that baptism is important. Whether or not he will take that first one as being good enough, I'd rather not take a chance and just go through that second time. Uh, and if it's necessary, let's be honest. How many of us have had multiple times where we walked away from our relationship with God and came back again to a place? I mean, many times I remember when I was a young person, um, sometimes I was at the altar every month <laughs> coming back. <laughs> um, and, and, and really early on in my teenage years, while I was in Bible college, I had those moments where um, I, I can't tell you I walked away from God, but my, my love for God grew cold. And then there was an encounter, an experience with God, and I, and I came back to a closer relationship with Him. Now, I can honestly tell you that there was a definite time in my life where there was a work that happened and there was no question I wasn't turning back. There, there were times that I, ca- I had to press in deeper because of some of the things that the Holy Spirit was doing in me, but I didn't turn away from Him. I never doubted who He was and who He wanted to be in my life. But I had to make a decision to press in. So if there's been that point in your life and you come back, maybe you need to, to walk through this process again. Baptism is, is not really for everybody else. It's for you making that public declaration. The other aspect of it is uh, maybe God, in his process of, of uncovering things in your past that you've not dealt with, some sinful things that were, even though you were walking with God, you had some things that you were participating in, and God convicted you and said these things are wrong. And you may, maybe it's something you want to do Do I think it's a requirement? I don't think it's a requirement, but if it is something that God is saying, listen, I want to do something fresh in you, and this is that opportunity for you to make that declaration, it may be something you want to consider. Um, I, I can be honest with you that if you're unsure about where you stand on this, it's probably a good idea to investigate it a little deeper. Because anytime there is this level of unsurance that you probably need to 
go a little further in, in breaking down why you're unsettled in this area. And if you are, I'm sure Pastor Willie or myself would love to sit down and talk with you a little bit further about this to find out where you're at and why you're struggling. Where is the, where is, what are the issues going on? Next Sunday, our worship service is going to be integrating in a time of baptism. And if you have not been baptized, or maybe you already identify with some of what I said and you feel like you want to be baptized again, um, there's a sign-up sheet just on the, the bulletin board outside the sanctuary, and we encourage you to sign up. But here's part of the process. Um, we want to um, get a recording of you as to why, why you want to be baptized. Next week, um, my wife had this idea, and if you've ever experienced a baptism, sometimes you know people are standing in the water, and then you ask them, so why do you want to be baptized? And they're trying to speak then. And unless you're someone who is gifted you know, in speaking, sometimes it's difficult to elaborate why you want to do this in that brief moment while you're standing in sometimes cold water. So we want, um, Miss Christina is going to be working with the kids um, today, helping them to understand some of that. On Wednesday, we're actually going to help start recording some of the kids that want to do this. I think we have a half a dozen kids that want to go through baptism. We're going to, have, uh, we're going to talk with their parents and have them to help maybe even. But we're going to have a, a video recording of each one, and then we'll play that before that person goes through baptism. That way, the, you'll get to hear from their words, um, why they want to go through baptism, and then we're going to take them through. And, and this is, as I shared with you last week, this spot right here, this is our baptismal. It's underneath this wood. This comes up, and, uh, and we'll go through that. You know, we'll have that open and, and get it cleaned out and be ready for next week. And Lord willing, the heater in it will work. Um, it hasn't been used in a couple years. But, but you know what? Hey, a cold baptism is refreshing in the same way. And being that I'm going to be in the water more than any of you, um, we're not going to complain, right? So, so next week, baptism. And it's, I am so excited to, for us to have this. It's going to be a tremendous time, and I want you to be ready for it. And if you want to be baptized, uh, you should um, to, to publicly declare what Christ is doing in you. Now, our third one, it's probably one that many people don't realize is actually a sacrament of the, of the church, but it is, and that is marriage. Marriage is a sacrament. Genesis 2.24 says, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. I believe marriage is one of the most significant sacraments that God has established Marriage symbolizes the relationship that God desires to have between us and Him. Marriage symbolizes the relationship that God desires to have between us and Him. It is so important because it opens our minds up to the full potential of our relationship with God. As Christians, as believers, we should value marriage because God values it. Anything that God speaks highly of and fondly of, we should value. 
There are many people that come to me and ask, well, you know, why can't we condone this? And why can't we approve this? And, and, and why can't this be okay? And, and, and let me just identify it really in, in this simple statement. God has said, when a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, the two are united into one. Marriage was established by God. There are lots of other unions in our world today. I'm not here to speak about any of them other than God's approved union for marriage. And that is between a man and a woman, God brings them together for his purpose, for his plan. So when people ask me, well, why can't this be okay? And it, and it comes down to this. Marriage was originated by God. And if it, was, if it is going to be blessed, must be done according to God's plan. That's just all there is to it. it. It is not about anybody else's ideals. It is not about anybody else's approvals. It is about whether or not you want to be in honoring of God and his established plan. You can go out there in the world and live however you want. But if you're going to live according to God's values, you have to value what God values. God's word established in the scripture is our guidebook for life. It not only tells us all the things that we have the opportunity to enjoy, praise God, right? God's word is not just about all the don'ts of life. It's about all the things we get to enjoy. I get to stand here today celebrating life, enjoying uh, freedom because God has provided it. I have, no, I, I have no desire to go back to my old way of living where I was living like the devil. Do you realize that I have never once since I, I, I dedicated my life to knowing Jesus Christ, I have never once saying, oh God, if I could only go back and live in that life where I was miserable and beaten and without hope. I've never wanted it. So I am thankful for all the things that God's Word affords me to do. But I, it also gives me some things that I should avoid. Things that will destroy me. Things that will bring me to a place of ineffective living. So should we read God's word for its, all the messages of it? Absolutely. Because I don't need to sit here and tell you all the things you shouldn't do. If you read God's word, I believe his Holy Spirit will reveal to you the things of your life that you are participating in that literally violate your relationship, your covenant with God. And that's why marriage is, is that uh, visual presentation for us today. My wife and I have a great marriage. But let me just tell you, I have expectations. I expect my wife is going to be faithful to me. <laughs> I expect that she's going to come home and spend time with me, that she's not going to be going out sleeping around and practicing what some in the world call, an, oh, we have an open marriage. Um, that's just, let me just be honest, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And, and I'm not here to be gentle on that. There is, there is nothing about an open marriage that is approved before God. When, when I said I do to my wife, I made a lifetime commitment to her that she was going to be the most important person in my life. 
even above, above my children. So that's another area that we violate our marriage. Anytime we put our children above our spouse, we are literally violating our marriage covenant. When, when it says that a father leaves his, his, when a man leaves his father and mother, when I left my father and mother and I married Nancy, I literally made a separation. My mom and dad were still going to be important in my life, and I was going to honor them according to God's word. But they no longer were going to have the ability to make decisions in my life that affected my relationship with my wife. So I, I just tell you, the most important thing that you can do when you get married is realize the seriousness of this commitment. It is a covenant between you and your spouse, and God will hold you responsible for every idle word that you speak about your wife. And, and let me just tell you, I've heard, I've heard people speak some garbage about their spouse, and it is wrong. It is sin. Anytime you sit around and you begin to speak ill about your spouse, someone needs to... Sh it is the one time in the world I think someone should just pop you in the mouth. Now, I'm not, I'm not condoning people just going around slugging somebody, but if you are speaking ill about your, your spouse, I think it's probably the one time someone should just say, here, let me help you. Because you should not speak ill about your spouse. There is nothing that will irritate me more than someone dogging their spouse or speaking about them in a negative or a derogatory way and laughing it off and say, oh, I'm just kidding, we're just... No, stop it! It is symbolic of the relationship we have with our Heavenly Father. And if you do it to your spouse, you will do it to your God. So you need to hold this, this relationship with such high regard. And you better be thankful God hasn't just slugged you once in a while. Because you probably wouldn't be getting up as quick. But it may be more effective in bringing about transformation. My final one, and really, I think this one is the one that breaks my heart the most. This isn't all the sacraments that we could talk about, but these are the four that I want to focus on today. And this, one, this final one really, I hope, breaks your heart as well. And, and it is confessions or altar time, however you'd like to view this. Confessions or altar time is a sacrament that I think is important in the church. Altar, the word altar means a high place, a place of sacrifice, worship or communion, an elevated place. Another word also means to make change, to make some change and to make different in some particular way, to alter. Those are the two definitions of altar. Both of them are appropriate. The word altar uh, comes from uh, the word uh, misbia. I'm not, you know, good in my Hebrew there, but that's all right. You can pronounce it however you want. It appears 396 times in the Old Testament. Uh, it, it also appears 162 times in the uh, word uh, zabah, which means to slaughter. To slaughter. 
So when you start understanding the, the altar time that we are to have with God, there is a time that we come to this altar and we have an experience with God. We kneel before the God of the universe and we say, God, I come to you and I ask you to slaughter that thing that I am laying here. It may be my will, it may be uh, my sin, it may be um, my uh, desires, whatever it is, we're, we're laying those things before the God of the universe and saying, God, uh, I worship you and I sacrifice that thing which is bringing me into a place of sinful living or ineffective living or dis, dis, deterring me from that place of living for you. And that's what God is saying. And that's why I think it is such a, a vital thing for us to begin to experience in the church again. One of the things that is disappointing for me is, for many in the church, the altar is something we experience at conversion and then we never come back and visit again. We, we look at the altar as the place that we come to Jesus. <laughs> but not there we come to change. You know, it's as if um, what we experienced with God that one day, however many years ago, was all there was. <laughs> and we're good. And you'll see me frequently during worship come and kneel at the altar because God is doing something. God is speaking to my heart. Or... I want to give God a level of worship to honor who he is. And so I come, into, I come to an altar and make a sacrifice before God. I, I come to God and I say, God, you are worth far more than I ever can give you credit or glory for. So today I just want to shut out everything else and I want to focus entirely on you. I want to focus entirely on you. I don't want anything else to distract me from who you are. I believe the altar was a place that, especially in the, in the scriptures, it was visited daily. <laughs> you know, when uh, you read in the New Testament, the disciples, you know, you, you, several different times they, they were encountered going to the temple for worship and they'd, they'd go three times a day to the temple to worship. It was um, a place that the priests visited every morning and every evening to pray. It was a hallowed place that demanded reverence, called for holiness, and carried with it a promise of commitment. When someone comes to the altar, there is a process of change that begins to happen in the life of a believer, and there should be something that comes out of it. The altar was the place where man met God and God met man. Now, I realize that we are all in a, in a personal relationship with God, that because of the Holy Spirit, God literally is with us always. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And yet, some of the places we take God should not happen. 
and some of the things that we allow uh, to be communicated because of what we participate in should never happen. And that's why I think altar times are so important. I think in the life of a believer that we should come to this place where if it is multiple times through a worship service or even during a message, I want you to know it is entirely appropriate in the, appropriate in the middle of a message if the Holy Spirit is moving on you and you feel the calling to come to an altar. You come. And you begin to pray and seek God for that which He is trying to do in your life. Don't wait. Don't wait. Because you know what? What God is doing in that moment is right and appropriate. I believe you can do that and never even take away from what God is doing in the service. It will actually enhance it. Now, let me just be honest. I've heard people do this, and they immediately come to the altar and begin hollering and screaming. It is hard to focus on the rest of service at that point. And I'm not going to tell you every time it was not, you know, that it was done in a place where the focus was wanting to be on the wrong thing. But I have encountered it where... Um, at times, it is someone wanting to draw attention to themselves. I've also, I've also encountered it where it was the enemy fighting this individual to not allow God to do the work that he wants to do. And there was the need for a deliverance in that person's life. Um, I, we still, we believe that everything that God says in his word is real and will happen for us today, which also means that the enemy can uh, afflict us can affect our lives, and there may need to be a time where we are delivered from uh, some uh, demon that is terrorizing us. I've had people call me and say, Pastor, uh, uh, I think that my house is, has some demons in it. And uh, uh, we've gone through, and, and uh, when that happens, I normally get a, a, a bottle of olive oil. I don't get, you know, I don't try to take my little thing here. You know, not that there's not enough power in this oil. Uh, this, is our, this is our oil of gladness, and sometimes I need the, uh, the serious stuff. Um, and so I get, the whole, I get a whole gallon jug of oil, and literally I will go and I will start pouring it around the outside of their house, and I'll take and I'll soak my hand, and I'll put it all over their doorpost, and, and I will anoint their bedrooms, and I will anoint every window and every TV, uh, and it may mean you have to go around and wipe some things off when I'm done. But let me just tell you, there is a power when we talk about anointing things to deliver us from some of the things that are afflicting us. Uh, our family has practiced anointing every house that we've ever been in, we've ever lived in. And we've done it with multiple people's houses. Um, there is a reality to the spiritual world. I'm not here to scare any of you, especially, I mean, we're into this, you know, season where people are, you know, have all the ghosts and everything for Halloween and stuff like that. Listen, our world wants to make this a holiday. <laughs> if you are truly being terrorized for, by a demon, it is no holiday. You know, we need to understand that it is serious business. And that's why altars are so important. If you have, let me just say that if you have regular time at an altar, I believe 
you will have less, less issues outside of church. Now, let's expand that. What if you developed a time, an altar at your house? I think that is important. That you have, um, if you have the ability to develop an area in your home that is a, an altar space, and everyone knows whoever is in that area, this is, this is altar time. And you leave them alone. I think as believers, we are, our lives would be transformed. Our families would be transformed. Simply because we have come to a place that God is able to do something new. You know, in the, in, in the Old Testament, we had, uh, it was Abraham. He was going up to the mountain with Isaac. And Willie, I think, talked about this last Sunday. Um, he comes to the mountain. And he picks up the wood, or he tells Isaac to pick up the wood, right? And he says, Isaac, pick up the wood. And so the sacrifice is carrying the wood for the altar. <laughs> and, and Abraham's carrying the knife. And they go up, and they build the altar. And and today we look at that and say, oh, that's just, that's crazy. Why in the world would anybody do that? And I think there are so many underlying messages that this brings to us today. How many things do we isolate as precious to us that we say, God, you are the most important thing in my life except this. I remember when my wife and I were dating. Now, I've told most of you know our story. I, um, I had met her in um, June, I think it was, somewhere around there, June or July. Um, after I met her, I went to the national office and met with them and asked her, them for the blessing um, for my regional director um, that I could ask her to marry me. <laughs> so I'd only met her. We'd, we'd talked just a couple times. I met her in this basement of this church. Um, it was at a, a pizza and prayer night. Actually, we had forego pizza and we had pasta. But we were here for prayer as youth pastors. Um, she was working in this group with the youth pastors here. Um, I met her, and I went and asked permission to marry her. Hadn't talked to her, but interacting a little bit there at that day. Um, and got the blessing of my directors, and then I did nothing else. Um, we were at a youth camp, and I saw her again. She was up there at youth camp working with them. And um, I uh, interacted her with her some throughout the week, but didn't do much. And then on Friday, we're leaving youth camp. I talked to her youth pastors and said, hey, would you set up a time to come to your house tonight? We'll have dinner. So they set that up. We went over there, had dinner. She said, hey, we're going to the zoo on Saturday. Would you like to come to the zoo with our youth group on Saturday? There's a Christian concert there. It's like, great. I went to the zoo with them on Saturday, got to know her. On Sunday, she said, hey, we're having a, a corn roast at our church, and so would you like to come over after your service and be part of the corn roast? I said, great. So I came over to her corn roast. That night, I said, hey, I'm going back to my church. We have uh, church. So we went to my church that night. Um, and on our way home, I, we were sitting out here in this parking lot right down here, and I said, will you marry me? So 
That was the extent of our dating process. And she said, you got to talk to my dad. So I went and talked to her dad, and he said no. <laughs> and so, but we, were, we honored that decision, and we waited until the blessing came. But, you know, we, we dated for this process. And then, you know, they permitted us the date even though we couldn't get married. And now, just understand, I think I was 27. I wasn't a young whippersnapper. So we dated for this process, and then there came a point where she said, I need to break up with you. And I said, why? And she said, because God said, am I more important than Ralph? So she broke up with me. Can you imagine someone breaking up with me? My first real relationship of my life, and she dumped me. No, she was honoring God. But I'm sitting here heartbroken, and yet also having this inner thing going on saying, God, you already told me she's the one. And so I just began this process of waiting. And I never once gave up hope that what God had spoken to me earlier was going to be a reality. But see, Nancy had to put on the altar the desire of her heart at that time, which was to marry me. And I'll say it was the desire of her heart because she had already communicated those things to me. That was a real reality. But she had to put on the altar the thing that was the most important. And I think sometimes we carry around things in our life and we say, God, you are so important and I worship you for all that you are. But I just have to be honest, this is more important to me. And I'm unwilling to, to put this. Now, we may not say those in actual words, but the reality is when we tell God you can have everything we're thinking but this. God, you can do whatever you want but this. And at some point, we need to go to an altar and sacrifice on an altar that which is the most important thing to us. And that's what Abraham was doing with Isaac. He was the prophesied son. And Abraham was taking him to an altar. And at that moment when he was ready to plunge the knife, God showed up. He provided a sacrifice in a burning bush, or in, a, in the thickets, I, I converged a couple stories there. In the thickets. And, but God provided the sacrifice. See, and I believe even for those things that are so important to us, God knows it. And they may be part of the plan, but they can't be ahead of God. That's, that's why even though Nancy is so important to me, God is still first. Because I believe this, when you honor God as first in, your rela in every relationship, in everything of your life, everything else will come into balance. You will, if you love God first and most, you will always love your wife or your spouse appropriately. If you love God first and most, you will always love your children appropriately. But if God is not first, every other relationship Every other level of love is going to be out of balance and off. 
So I want you to understand, altars are such a powerful place in the life of the church. I could literally read you hundreds of scriptures, you know, as I already illustrated to you in the, you know, 500 and some different illustrations of altars throughout the scriptures of the value of a time at the altar. But what I want to leave with you today is the need to spend time at the altar. And I'm going to ask our worship team if they can come. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you are thinking, Pastor, you left a bunch of blanks unfilled today. And I'm just going to be honest. I forgot to actually highlight them on my chart. And I always have more information than I give you. And so, if you need those, I can provide those for you later, because I have no idea really what I left off with. But I, I want to tell you this in closing, and then we're going to have an opportunity for you to put into practice that which you've heard today, which is some altar time. But an altar is so important because it is a time where we literally commune with God. The altar is so important because it is a time is a it is a place of transformation, it is a place of change, it is a place of sacrifice, it is a place of worship. And when we worship the creator of the universe, when we worship God for all that he is, there is something that God wants to do in and through you. And that can only happen many times at an altar. Now, I don't know what your schedule is. And if you need to leave, hey, listen, it's not about me. You do what you need to do. But I'm going to invite you to spend some time in worship in the altar. The communion trays are in the back there. You could drop something in there in the box if you need to leave. But I'm just going to invite you to some time at the altar that God would literally be able to do what He's been trying to do in your life maybe all year. Maybe just this week. Maybe just today. But I'm going to invite you to some time at the altar confessing before God the things that are on your heart. Let's worship together.
breakout times in an altar experience where we press in for a time of transformation, we will begin to literally reflect the image of God to our world in such a way that people will be drawn to His presence. But you will never reflect His image if you do not spend time with Him in moments of transformation. It's not about how you come to Him. It's about how you live for Him every day. I don't believe it is possible for a a believer to not have moments that they spend quantity time, hours at an altar, sometimes weekly, monthly. I think we need those times. And, And I am thankful that God's presence is not relegated to just simply this place, that we literally can have an altar time with God in the, in the wilderness or at our home. But let me be honest, if, if those that are worshiping with you in church never see you at an altar, if they never see you come to a place where you're willing to surrender your life to God in, in progressive, deeper levels, then I believe what happens many times is the enemy can lulls us into a place where He says, you're okay. You don't need to do that for show. We got this. And it allows us simply to settle into a way of living that does not honor the transformative work of Jesus Christ in our lives. I'm not saying you have to live at the altar. But I do believe we need to have regular visits to an altar. If in earlier recorded times that they needed daily visits to an altar to see God do what He wanted to do in their lives, what makes us think that we don't need some similar level of interaction with God the Father? And when you're going through some of the most the most overwhelming situations of your life, you probably need a little more time. Because this world will want to let you cry on their shoulder, but that's not going to bring about the change that God wants to bring. You need time at the altar. Times at the altar are times to press in to the things that God's trying to do in you and to acknowledge who He is in the midst of your greatest trials and difficulties and pleasures. It is honoring God for so much, celebrating for who He is. Not only are our altars places of sacrifice, they're places of confession, but they're also places of remembering. Remembering what God did. Many times throughout the Old Testament, He had them create an altar, a a stack of stones to remember what God had done for them in that place. I think an altar time could be some of the most valuable time you will spend in your life if you will learn to practice it daily.
Let's close our time in prayer. Um, we're going to receive our morning tithes and offering as well. And I just invite you to not allow the message um, to not have place in your life. And if you're wanting to go through baptism, sign up. Next week, bring a change of clothes. Um, we'll educate you next week on what the process is. Uh, so you can be ready. We'll ask you to, to please be here next week about 10 o'clock so that you are prepped and ready for what's going to happen for uh, 10.30 start time. Uh, don't want to be baptized and show up at 11 o'clock. Okay? Can I be honest? If you want to go through baptism, be here early so that we can have you prepared and ready. It's going to be a special time. It's going to be a time of celebration. The whole service is all dedicated to uh, worship and baptism because baptism is a part of a worship service. So let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, your, your presence. Thank you for what you're doing in our midst, for what you're trying to bring about in our lives. Today, I pray that the, these sacraments that we've talked about today communion marriage baptism and altar time confession time would become vital parts of our daily practice of our life practice Father I pray that you would do what only you can do in the midst of this time drive home the message in our hearts that we would find a place that it would bring about the transformation you're seeking to do in our lives. We also pray a blessing on our offering. We thank you for your faithfulness, your provision. We ask for these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, uh, Jerry and Martha, for having those ready and I uh, just want to invite you to uh, worship in your giving and, uh, and just celebrate with one another. So good to have you all with us and uh, God bless you. Uh, JP. It'll be a great time, so praise God. Um, next Sunday, Baptism Sunday, be ready, and uh, we're excited about it. So God bless you. Love on one another.